quarter. It has been time. Austin will meet Owen Hart for the Intercontinental title Sunday, August the 3rd at SummerSlam. I got a feeling Austin's got a stone cold Southern Ben right here tonight, King. That'd be the greatest thing I've ever seen. Ladies and gentlemen, Stone Cold Steve Austin. He don't care. A mixed reaction. A mixed reaction here tonight, however, last night. For sure, I know a night that you'd like to forget. Let's take you back and show you you were handcuffed, Stone Cold Steve Austin, after the match was over. Look what happened. They had to restrain you. They had to handcuff you. And look what you're doing. Look what sort of gestures you're making with your hand. Look at that. Kind of a competitor. What kind of a man does something like that? And, and as far as our reaction is concerned, I would suggest, however, with all due respect to our Canadian fans, next week back in San Antonio, Texas, your home state, you're likely to get a different reaction. To hell with all due respect to the Canadian fans. You can damn well bet your bottom dollar it probably will be a different reaction in San Antonio, Texas. The little handcuffs. Shackled Stone Cold Steve Austin. You can put my arms behind my back, but you can't shut up the fingers. I'll tell you exactly what I want, when I want, and that's the bottom line. Well, I'm sure everyone here was shocked with what you did earlier with your potential partner, Mankind. Just whom will you select, or, or just who will be your partner next week? You know, I can't tell you enough that I don't really give a damn who my partner is. You ask and ask, just like a jackass. Who's your partner going to be, Steve? I don't care, Vince. You ain't got to keep throwing stuff, and I'm going to whip somebody's ass. You ain't got to ask me again who's going to be my partner. But I understand, if I don't pick a partner, Gorilla Monsoon's going to exercise his right to pick my partner. I think that's fine because Gorilla Monsoon ain't exercised that tub of guts body in his in 30 years. <laughs> he can do what he wants. Bottom line is, I'll keep the tag belts by myself. Well, speaking of, speaking of championships, what about you against the Intercontinental Champion Owen Hart at SummerSlam? Well, I'll tell you what, Owen Hart last night, Calgary Stampede, one, two, three, Stone Cold Steve Austin's looking up at the lights. I'll tell you this, and I want this put in the contract. Don't flinch, I ain't gonna hit you. I want this put Please. in the contract. Bret Hart says if he gets beat, he won't wrestle in the United States again. Big deal. If I cannot beat Owen Hart at SummerSlam after the match, when he pins me one, two, three, if that happens, he can pull down his trunks, pull down his little panties, what? bend over and I'll kiss him right on his ass, right in front of the wall. What? Put that in the contract. That's the bottom line. I'll kiss his ass if I can't kick it. And that's the way it's going to be. Dog, I hear you calling. I think it's time for the show. 
sleep hold has got me confused, but maybe here we go. Mr. Hills and the dog from Maine, Event Status Radio. They're recording again. <laughs> Bagels and biceps all over my screen. What are we supposed to do? Recorded live in the Maine Event Status Radio offices. Recorded live over the airwaves in Heroville, USA. <laughs> This is Mid Event Status Radio. I am the Dirty Dog Darcy, and here with me over the airwaves in Heroville, USA, or should I say Heroville World, is the one and the only <laughs> from Beverly Hills, California, 90210, is the one and the only Mr. Beverly Hills. <laughs> How, how's it going, Mr. Beverly? Oh, man, things are great, dude. It's good to talk to you again. Another week, another great podcast. For us. So just like last week, we are doing Minivan Status Extras. And this week, we are on another particular topic that we touched on briefly last week. What is this topic for this week, Mr. Beverly Hills? Well, it is the matching set to last week. We did Greatest Villains or Heels last week. Well, then it's begging. We got to do Greatest Heroes this week. Greatest Baby Faces. I really like the title you gave this podcast, Mr. <laughs> Beverly Hills. Yes. Extra number three, Face the Music. Face the Music, man. So kind of like what I did last week with the villains, when it comes down to it, how would you define a baby face in professional wrestling? A baby face is just, for me, de- definition, the person who is the hero, the person who is uh, meant to be cheered. Yeah, same here that, you know, when I look at it, who would be like the ultimate babyface, who would be defined as a babyface? You know, I, I look at, you know, Hulk Hogan during his run from like 85 to 95 or so, you know, in the WWF and WCW as, a, you know, Mr. America, Red, White, and Blue, Fighting for what's right, training, so your yeah. prayer, shake your vitamins, <laughs> all, all that fun stuff. Yeah, don't get too far into it, man. I'm just saying that you know, I I look at yeah at, at Hulk Hogan as I guess the ultimate baby face. So I guess, I know we kind of talked about it a little bit, but you, I you know, kind of like with last week with the villains, I have I had a tough time kind of coming up with a list this week for. Uh, heroes because okay. you know, kind of like with I discussed last week with the villains that I don't know if it's just you know me getting older and appreciating different styles of wrestling, different characters in wrestling, but I, I had a tough time coming up with a list because you know, like discussed with John Cena at the beginning of the podcast last week, I don't always look at heroes as what the promoters. Who do the promoters say are the heroes? Sure, I understand that. I understand the, that. Do you? I know you say no, but do you feel like the internet and the rise of podcast or journalist affected how people look at baby faces or anything? Or is um, that just the internet patting itself on the back? Well, I sometimes think you're in the internet bubble. Fair enough, yeah. I guess, because like... They sub- okay, this is a sidebar. 
Sometimes in sports discussion, we talk about the ESPN echo chamber, right? So, like, one person sends out a controversial opinion and it bounces off the walls, and then another person picks it up, talks about it, what do they think, and send it back, and it just keeps getting passed around. I think that happens a lot in the internet wrestling fan community, too, where... It gets tweeted, then it gets retweeted, and then maybe it gets picked up on this podcast. And then the, then because Dave Meltzer said it on his podcast, all 400 other ones need to comment on it. And then it becomes fact. And, and I feel like that's what just happens sometimes. So that's just like my sidebar on it, I feel like. Uh, and then people are like, well, that's what happened. <laughs> you yeah, know? For sure. And, I don't know. Uh, I guess... You know, like, you know, tied in with last week with me picking JBL as, you know, one of my top heels. I feel like in 2004, 2005, 2006, before I, I guess, discovered the internet and discovered online wrestling pages or whatever else, I started to like the heels as my personal heroes more than I liked the baby faces as my heroes. Okay. So that's, yeah, and again, this isn't likability, like the top five likability. It's the top five baby faces. Yeah. So I know it's kind of like what you said that you know it's not, you know, top five people that you you like, not the top five people you want to see. It's top five baby faces. Right. And I mean, we could have, I'm sure down the road we'll have a discussion of just top five or ten all time, which would be different. You yeah. know, that's that that's. You know, just who you like for any reason. This is last week. Last week was just who we thought were the best villains. This week is just who we think are the best heroes. So, do you? I'm sure you do, but do you have any criteria? As I do. Your baby faces. I do. Okay. So, my first one, again, similar to last week, talking ability. Um, but I wrote that this one is wanted, but not necessary. Um, I thought with villains, you need to be able to talk in people to want to see you get beaten. Um, heroes, you know, uh, there can be silent heroes. Yeah, they, I, no, I don't feel like the talking ability is as needed for the heroes as it is for the villains. I w- that's what I would say. Yeah, because the villains, you know, you want to pay money to see them get beat. The The heroes really don't need a... They do they do their talking in the ring. Right. Yeah. Okay. My second one, I feel like this is the most important one. The ability to gain sympathy from the fans. Okay. If I don't care about you getting your ass whipped, you have failed. Yeah. Totally. You know, that I think that is the very most important thing. And when we I hate to always go back to this, but we talked about it last week, let's talk about it this week. When John Cena fails as a babyface, it is because he fails to gain sympathy. Well yeah, you know, for example, like when well I guess one of my biggest things that bothers me is like when he loses like one of, the world, one of the more recent world title runs that he had, he lost it. The pay-per-view the next night on Monday Night Raw, comes out, oh, last it off. Sure. Titles come, titles go, yeah. whatever. You know, I'm not going to let it bother me. That, like, that right. is one thing that I guess I don't can't really blame Cena for it, 
I really can't blame the writers for it, but I feel like it's a combination of both that Cena can come can come across differently on screen and has a seniority to change things for his character to say, you know, I am pissed off that I lost lost the title. You know, I think of when Hulk Hogan lost the title on the main event back in eighty eight before WrestleMania four when the the evil twin Hebner showed up. <laughs> and all that, that Hogan was crying that he lost the world title that he held for four years. It's the, one of the worst days in his life because he lost something that he professionally cares most about. Right, and I mean, you can you can do whatever, but, like, it's got to come across believable. And, you know, everybody could come and cry, but Hogan got that sympathy and Hogan is, I don't know, I'm sure we'll maybe talk about it later, but he was a person who could come across indestructible and come across sympathetic. But I, th- I really feel like the, the ability to gain sympathy from the crowd is a big one. Yeah, totally. Okay. All right, my next one is, actually, you know what, I'm going to lump my last three into one because they all kind of are different parts of the whole. I wrote charisma, likability, and then just an overall it factor. Okay. They all go together. They're all things wanting, you know, charisma is really wanting to be around a person and wanting to listen to them. Uh, Likeability kind of goes along with that, just wanting to like a person. And then just that thing that causes you to like somebody. Okay. Those, what do you think about those? I totally, totally agree with you on that. You know, just looking over my list, you know, the, likability factor and want to be around them. I want to say that, yes, even when I was growing up, when during the, these guys' peaks or whatever, even nowadays, I want to hang out with each one of, each guy on my yeah. list. Right. And, it's and it, it factor, you know, it's, I'm sure you'd agree with me that it's hard to explain yeah. what, that, what it is because it's so hard to find and I feel like it's completely different with each person. I can definitely say it's different with each person on both of our list. Exactly. And that's why I added that one because that it is, can be so different. And that's, you know, how you can have, uh, you know, triumphing baby faces that vary from, you know, Hulk Hogan to Mick Foley to The Rock. They're so different, but they have the things that cause you to like them. Right. For, for so, sure, yeah. Yeah. And do you have any honorable mentions before we go over our list? I do. I have three honorable mentions. Or, yeah, I have three honorable mentions. Um, uh, I, oh, I, I, I don't, so. Oh, you don't have any? Okay. No. All right, cool. Well, here are my, um The first one, Junkyard Dog. Um and I bet is, as we haven't talked about this yet, but over the last couple of weeks, WWE Network has added a ton of old school wrestling, uh, well, including it, Mid-South. Well, I was going to say that. I was planning on emailing you about that, but yeah. you know, off topic, I would love you know, for us to do a series on some of, the, some of that stuff they, they just uploaded sometime over the summer, sometime down the road. Yeah, I'm thinking about it too. So that uh, and he's a person who uh, has had been just so likable. Yeah, and that, yeah. yep, and like when we watched 
when we watched that one Saturday Night's Made event where his mom comes out and stuff, he just comes across as such a likable individual. And, you know, whether that's true or not is a different thing, but uh, just comes across as such a person who the fans want to cheer for. Yeah, I'm sure you like Junkyard Dog because just like him, I'm sure you want to G-R-A-B-T-H-E-M-C-K-A-K-E-S. Ooh, yep. grab them kicks. Oh, is that all you do? Grab yep. them cakes. I don't care, I don't care what, it, what it takes. Yes. <laughs> um, my second honorable mention is uh, Ric Flair. He shows up. Uh, he was number four on my villain list. He's honorable mention on my hero list. I felt, again, he's, I think, is just so likable, um, in my opinion. And I think... Uh, He's really a person who who comes across with that with that charisma, that it factor. So, you said yeah. third person. Oh yes, and my third, my last is uh, Macho Man, my number one villain. Ooh, <laughs> is my number yeah. is my honorable mention, uh, Babyface. Uh, he was tremendous again on the mic. He went with, as he got older, his ability to uh, gain sympathy gained even more. Um, and I thought he was he was really good. So well, yeah, for sure. You know, kind of we talked about the Macho King run last week on the podcast, and fucking like after that, you know, his heel run, commentated run in WWE, then in the WCW, I always enjoyed Macho, and like that is one one thug, one rapper. I'll definitely be willing to <laughs> sit down with and thug and bug with. You are amazing, one thug. What can I say? That's tremendous. That's tremendous. So we might as well get into the list. And since I had no honorable mentions, I'll start out the list again for my number right, five. My number five top five baby faces, and this guy was one of your honorable mentions. Okay. To be the man, you gotta beat Ric Flair. I had a t- oh, great, tough time great. having. I had a tough time putting Ric Flair on my list because when I think of Ric Flair, I never really considered him as a baby face much during his time as a you know in his career or if he ever had many baby face runs it wasn't long yeah well, sure for you oh. far between yeah and because i got i'll put up my mellow yellow oh god because of rick, rick flair and uh but yeah i just rick flair you know like you said that he's always came across as a guy that i want to hang out with granted you yep. know it's not always his job to come across like that but i feel like his run Towards the end of his career, like in the WWE when he was a face, I that was one guy I wanted to, I always wanted to cheer. You know, you know, I listen to his podcast, and he's like a guy that <laughs> I would love to, I don't know, go to the bar and hang out with, and yeah, pick up chicks with, and <laughs> and all that. And he was always creating the mic, especially at, at end of his career. Him finding ways to motivate his partners in Carlito or. Shawn Michaels towards you know his retirement tour or whatever else he had ways to you know towards his as a as a later statesman on yep. talking people up to want to see him take on yeah Chris Masters or MVP or Mr. Kennedy or go on the Hulkamania tour down in Australia, brother. That's a really good point that you make 
uh, in his retirement tour and in his post-evolution uh, WWE run that, yeah, he was he was so sympathetic. And, you know, that probably helps from just being, like, 10,000 years old. But um, it worked, and, and he still could really go in the ring. And, um, yeah, it, it really worked well. For okay. sure, yeah, for sure, because, yeah, like I said, I had a t- tougher time with the top five baby faces, you know, list compared to the villains list, but I'm like, I had to throw in Ric Flair somewhere on my list. Okay. My number five, a man that Ric Flair took on many a time, the man who knows more about hard times than anyone. Does the, that guy also know a lot about the Tom Stimus there Yes, the the man who knows more about Tom Stimus, his Jeeps and his trucks and his vans. Dusty Rhodes. Oh baby. I think he you know, he's a person who had so much charisma and such the ability to get that sympathy from the fans. He could just take a beating like no other and just really make the fans want to see him win and see him come on top. He could do it everywhere. Um, Yeah. Dusty is the man. I guess I wish I would have thought about Dusty because one thing I appreciate about Dusty is he was always an overweight man that I feel yes. I feel like he you know in 85 84 83 and onwards that he was a guy that I feel like Americans and people worldwide can relate to on you know not being the injury and <laughs> athletic green shape like most everybody else you know being a hard worker you know going to your job busting your butt for however long your shifts are on your days to work and you do it for your family, you do it for your friends, you do it for your pride, and Dusty put that over a lot in his promos. You know, we referenced it... Right, I mean, Dusty... Oh, we re- referenced his Hard yeah, Times du- promo that it's... You know, if you re- would read his promo, it would make absolutely no sense, but he had <laughs> it to make it connect with people at home when when you hear it. Right, and I mean, like, yeah, Dusty was no Adonis, but he could make you believe that he was, uh, you know, whatever, the twisted steel and sex appeal, right? <laughs> you know, he he would make you believe that he was a person who deserved to be in the title picture and deserved to be um, a champion and, and all that. So, yeah. I feel, whenever I think about Dusty Rose, I always kind of think about... The Cheaters theme song, where everybody knows your name. You go to forget your troubles because they all have the same troubles. And I feel like Dusty Rhodes kind of ties that in with his character. That you know he represents all the hard hard workers, baby, that got laid off because the computer took a right job, day. or whatever else. Yep. I feel like computer took your job, or whatever else. <laughs> okay. On the scene, took your job down at the mill, daddy, today. Just yeah, come the tech your, mills, yeah. Put your hand up on your TV screen. You can feel the power of Dusty Rhodes, daddy. <laughs> but it's. <laughs> I don't know. I'm sure that I was channeling, channeling my inner Hulk Hogan with that too, but whatever. But I feel no, like Dusty, that was good. 
I feel like Dusty Rhodes was yeah great that you know he ta- uh, seemed like he touched on main topics like that back in the eighties on being concerned that you're gonna lose your job to a machine, do a computer, do whatever else. Yeah. <laughs> it's true. It's true. He was he was gold. Dusty's just the man. Somebody who is the man is my number four, Mr. Beverly Hills. Alright, tell me about it. He is the immortal Hulk Hogan dude. <laughs> which, right on, which, man. Yeah, which in ways to kinda of think of it, I'm surprised he's as low on my list, but it'll come out what who's later on my list, but I feel like you know, Hogan had the charisma, that it factor that he just has to turn his head and it has a crowd eating from the palm of his hand. Yes. You know, he he never had the wrestling ability, you know you know, he was never you know, he was never the Ric Flair or the or the Shawn Michaels or whatever else. I mean, he didn't have to be. That yep. he was able to connect with the you know, connect with the fans with his you know, promo ability, the it factor, he he could just like I said, he could get the fans into the match by just looking at them, just turning his head, you know, his facial expressions, his body language, he he had it. Oh yeah, he yeah, totally, totally. I know you mentioned last week, like, King Kong Bundy and all that, and One Man Gaining. You wanted to see Hogan plow through those villains because of, you know, King Kong Bundy leading up to WrestleMania 2, squashing Hulk Hogan, breaking his ribs, and yeah. people, kids going to home bed sad, sad that night because you saw the hero get crushed. Uh-huh. Yep. I don't want to talk too much about Hogan right now. Okay. Who's your number four, Mr. Beverly Hills? My number four, I feel like, really sums up the ability to get to get fans to believe that they were just literally dying in the ring. Uh, they are the Rock and Roll Express, Ricky Martin and Robert Gibson. Uh, I thought they just, I don't know, had had the the charisma without so much you know they were the the kind of talking guys but they really really were were great in the ring and really great um just at together they they really were awesome uh you know just a great tag team and they just they could when ricky is getting beat beat on it's it's just the best and then you know robert comes in to to take him out so well because just what i've seen of them recently you know in our 96 series in wcw i i really enjoyed them especially that wasn't you know towards the end of their career way away from their peak but i feel like even in yeah. 96 they still had it and were able to you know the matches of the horsemen on nitro they were yeah those make, were great matches they're able to make steve michael mcmichael and one of his first matches look decent yeah, that, that's that's, right. that's saying a lot too. <laughs> Yo, that's saying a lot. <laughs> that's saying a lot, a lot. <laughs> but yeah, they just—I don't know—they had so much charisma. And they, the the fans throughout the South and the Mid Atlantic in the uh, in in the eighties just loved them up and down the loop. So, well, just you know, hearing you know, Eric Flair's podcast that just how how over the Rock and Roll Express were with the ladies on them. The ladies wanted to go to their hotel rooms and, <laughs> you know, do, 
what adults do with each other who <laughs> love one another. You know, just see, oh, just hearing stories from Ric Flair about the Rock and Roll Express in that aspect, and hearing, hearing how over they are makes me appreciate them even more when I do go back and watch their matches from days gone by. Right on. So my number three, Mr. Beverly Hills, can be summed up with one word. Okay. What? Oh, geez. What? No, that because that wasn't when he was a face, so what? no, it should be. What? My number three is Stone Cold Steve Austin. He was right he was he was the blue collar working man. You know, he was you know, he represented yeah, the blue collar working man, working woman from ninety eight to two thousand or so when he was on screen. He you know, the many many women couldn't live through him when he was Flicking off his boss, kicking his boss in the gut, dropping him on his chin, on his chin, on his shoulder, you know, beating up, you know, <laughs> McMahon's cronies, you know, and all that. Uh, granted, at that time, I didn't like Steve Austin because even in '98, I hated the people that yeah, I hated the wrestlers that the fans as a whole loved. I hated Austin. <laughs> I hated Goldberg. But now looking back at it. Even back then, I appreciated what Stone Cold did. He, his promos were, I felt like, shortened to the point and felt real. Yeah. You know, they, even his podcast nowadays, he, he seems real and he's, and he's one of the few guys who I enjoy listening to because yeah, he comes across as real. Oh, that's, well, that's a, I, oh, you know what, that's what I should have put in one of the criteria, that's a great one, just the, yeah, realness um, coming across as as not false, because um, you can, the fans can see right through someone who's false. For instance, I think one of the biggest failures whenever he's a babyface is Randy Orton. Because oh, I sure, think yeah. he is one of the most false heroes there is. He comes across so fake when he's a baby face. When he's a heel, it comes across really genuine. And now that maybe in real life he's a really nice guy, I know nothing about it. But he he always comes across fake when he's a when he's a good guy, and um, yeah, and Stone Cold doesn't. Yeah. <laughs> he comes across very real. He, to be honest, he came across false when he was a heel, at least yeah, in his latter sure. his latter WWE run. Well, yeah, his, streaming the guitar, Huggy McMahon, yeah. Kumbaya, my lord, stuff like that. Yeah, I can see see where you're coming from on 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 that, and I guess. You know, something I enjoy about going back watching Stone Cold is that, you know, during the 98 run that I feel like he can, his character can still be related now in 2015, 2016 on people being frustrated with their boss and all that. Mm, and yeah. not, You know, not. Something that's that transcend generations. Yeah, universal sure. over time that at times you want to flick your boss off, <laughs> kick yeah. him in the nuts or yeah. whatever, drink beer. I feel like Stone Cold came across, like I said before, as like always. I feel like the '90s version of Dusty Rhodes. Yeah, I think he is the definitely like the spiritual successor to to Dusty Rhodes, for sure. Who's your number three, Mister Beverly Hills? My number three is 
Stone Cold Steve Austin. What? <laughs> yeah, I, Which makes sense why you weren't really talking much about him. Yeah, for for all the reasons that, that you just talked about, I thought he came across so well. It was it was such a lightning in the bottle moment. Uh you know, nineteen ninety eight Stone Cold Steve Austin. It was it was such a, a perfect um perfect character for the time. Um he was just so fantastic his his promos and his just overall demeanor the way he carried himself and when we talk about the it factor i don't think that there's one that fits so much better than stone cold and i feel like he he really captured the time that turn of the millennium just really kind of pissed off feeling that a lot of americans had um and I, really embodied it and took it and ran with it and uh his time at the top of the company you know was one of the greatest uh in many different ways um in the box office creatively lots of different things there i know austin said on many times that if he had his way he would have liked to like to have would have liked his career to last maybe another two to five years after what it did so what it went maybe at most to wrestlemania 25 do you feel? Oh, wow. Do you feel like Stone Cold could have kept that going in the early to mid two thousands up to maybe WrestleMania twenty two, twenty three of having that it factor that people still wanted to see? I'm not sure um, because you know, it would have. I think there would have had to have been some layers or nuances added to his character because I think in his, yeah, what did they call him? The sheriff or, or whatever yeah, his sh- role was. Yeah. The sheriff or I mean, he was a co commission or co GM for a while. And he was the sheriff on raw and making sure the law was law and order was in town or whatever on Monday night raw. Okay. During that era, he was extremely stale. Yeah. And and for me, his character did not work. So if if he had planned on staying in the ring, and, and even in the era, it was really bad. So uh, if he had wanted to, I think they would have, like I said, had to have added some layers to his to his character, and I think, and I, he is certainly capable of doing it. Uh, and it would just be if they had wanted to. Yeah, and if his body was able to hold up past WrestleMania mm-hmm. 19, I feel like, like you said, he had to change up his character. I feel like even if he would do like what Shawn Michaels did, or Chris Jericho does, or Brock Lesnar does, you know, be gone for a while, come back for oh, a few right. months for a feud, I feel like that would probably be best for him physically and it would be best for when you know it would mean more when he's actually around if that makes any sure. sense no yeah oh of course it makes total sense so you know kind of talking about it i know you're gonna shout on my number two choice <laughs> he's the ayatola of rock and rolla my number two choice is chris jericho mr beverly hills whatever he did made me want to tune in and watch him. I feel like he put on awesome wrestling matches in WCW, WWE, and you were on the card, and you were talking about it 
during the heel cast, I always, as at that time, I found it funny whenever he called called Stephanie McMahon a bottom-feeding trash bag hoe. Enough that I even wrote, I don't even know where I have it anymore, but I did write down on a sticky note that whole, the whole line and what he called Stephanie McMahon because I thought it was clever back in 2000 or whatever else. I I love Chris Jericho on screen. I felt like I could relate to him, connect to him, that I felt like if I was a pro wrestler, that's the guy I wanted to be. He was, like you said on his WWF debut, he was my party host via the TV screen. Man, yeah, I thought, oh, God, I thought him as a face was just wretched. And any time that he is a face is wretched. I, you know, I, I said on the villain one that although he's not my favorite, I can see why you would put him on the heel one. And I thought about putting him as honorable mention on the heel one. I would never put him on the face one. Never in a million years let him touch this side. Okay, I know you, you were you did talk about the villain on the villain cast, but what things did Jericho do that he tried to come across as a baby face that didn't connect with you? Everything. I thought cuz like he connected as a heel for me and all just go listen to the villain cast cuz I talked more about why he why he sucked as a baby face. I thought his uh, his jokes, quote unquote, yeah, good, yeah. were terrible, and that w- and all of his like face run was based on like how hilarious he is, and I thought it was crap. Okay, well, I know one of the feuds that I really enjoyed his work in was when he fought Crispin Juan, two thousand and two thousand one. Okay, do you remember much about their feud? Some, but not a ton. Some, but not a ton. Okay, I guess some of the things I remember was. Jericho insulting Benoit by calling Mr. Abato and Mr. Ben- Chris Benoit. And I guess, yeah, that's just more. I can see where you think th- those are horrible jokes. Oh, it's so cheesy. I guess at that time I loved I loved hearing him call Chris Benoit, Chris Benoit, and Mr. Abato and, and all that. Like, where is the cleverness in pronouncing someone's name wrong? How is that clever? It's it, I. It's not clever, but I still. This might be the inner child in me, but I st- still kind of find that a little bit funny. Actually, uh, kind of funny. Enough. It kind of funny, but that's just fair enough. enough. Fair enough. I, I just. Don't, I just don't see where. Like, man, you must have stayed up all night thinking about mispronouncing his name. God, you really put in some hard work, Chris Jericho. Great job. Just like calling Kurt Angle a Kirk Angel again. Like, <laughs> wait, how is that funny? God, I just laughed at it. I'm trying to figure out why I find that funny, and I guess it wasn't just you. I find that funny because I have tough time pronouncing names and all that, but that's just me can't pronounce names on on accident. So, and I mean, I guess the one thing I can say, I will, I can never take away how great of a wrestler Mr. Co is. Fantastic yeah. wrestler as a heel and a face in the ring, tremendous. And that's why, uh, yeah. That's I ju- I just can't rank. Uh, sorry, I just can't rank him high on either list for all those other reasons. Yeah, fair enough. You know, kind of like I was saying that as a baby face, he had the it factor that I wanted to be him when I grew up. I wanted 
do a hangout with them. Like, you know, you mentioned in your criteria, uh, I wanted to go out and party with them. I wanted to, I live vicariously through Chris Jericho because I never felt like I was big enough, I was cool enough, I was smart enough in school, wherever else. I And I lived through Chris Jericho because I felt like... Fair enough. Yeah, he, he was a guy... He was, my, he was the role model I wanted to be when I grew up. I get that. He clearly connected. So, yeah, so that's, yeah, so he connected. So who is okay. your number two, Mr. Beverly Hills? Okay, well, my number two, going old school, my number two is Ricky Steamboat. Um, and I feel like he's just the ultimate guy of, you know, really gaining sympathy uh, in the ring and uh, just person who while not super charismatic on the mic or a great talker by any means uh just in inside from bell to bell just someone who i i almost can't feel like is unmatched uh as a babyface uh wrestler well for sure that you know the match that we watched with him with sure. greg valentine from what 85 yep. ish for our youtube yeah. series that uh, it was that match was a lot better than I expected, and I felt like it had to take both guys being great and having great chemistry to put that match, make that match as good as it was. And I, you know, I yeah, I like Ricky Simo. That he his character was that he was a family man, and uh, yeah, and even on screen that I, I guess I appreciate that that he was willing to, he wanted to stay loyal to his family, not be like Ric Flair. <laughs> Stuff like that. Yeah, he, well, he, that was the whole deal is that he was the opposite of Ric Flair. Yeah. And, just, and they presented him that way in 89 when he won the title. And just, I guess, you know, with the WWE Network, you know, like you mentioned earlier, that released a bunch of new older stuff that you haven't released before. I'm looking forward to going back, you know, if it's through this podcast or my own free time, personal time that I have. I'm looking forward to going back and watching Rick Steamboat because I didn't, never really watched much of him when I was younger, and I always appreciated his work, you know, with the Ric Flair series. With now, I never really liked his Mania Three match with uh, with Macho Man, but I'm looking forward to going back and rewatching that and rewatching his other great Steamboat's other great feuds because you know a lot of fans, you know love him and a lot of wrestlers speak highly of him and appreciate mm-hmm. the work he did and even when he came back at wrestling at 25 to have that 301 legends match against chris jericho and he was great and he even had what like a backlash match against chris jericho just because yeah, right. he was that that great after being out of the ring for 10 15 years mm-hmm. so okay yeah i, I- Oh God! What? What? Well, when was WrestleMania twenty five? That would have been. Oh man. Uh, we're, this year was thirty one. So, so six years ago. So that was the so eight. That was nine. Okay. Yeah. Or ten. Ten. Because thirty one is going to be in six. Or no, thirty one was in fifteen. So. It'll be oh nine. So, so twenty five will be oh nine. A hero. He last wrestled in ninety five. So that'd be fourteen years ago. Okay, yeah. So yep. for, yeah. So so he came back from a fourteen year absence and are, had one of the best matches on the card. So yeah, yeah that yeah. yeah that shows that too. And having the the backlash match with Chris Jericho, and I heard he even came back on, and had what joined the house house show uh the house show tour. Yeah, who he? Oh gosh, who did he tour with? He had so, a lot of matches with like Drew McIntyre. Yeah, or something. That's like, who it was. Yeah, yeah. 
Like, <laughs> after 14 years, that says a lot about anybody. Yes. So, kind of, you know, tied in with my number one, who had a couple-year layover was Shawn Michaels. Oh, right on. That, cool. I, not so much his early days. I guess not so much his first run up to 98. You know, yeah, it was Shawn Michaels that, I guess, caught my heart after Hulk Hogan brought me into professional wrestling. But it's more Michaels' run after he came back in 2002, uh, was it 2010 that he retired, 2011, that Shawn Michaels was able to bring out awesome matches out of anybody, anybody and everybody. And just like Chris Sherrick that mentioned, you know, as from number two, I, as a kid in 95, 96, 97, I wanted to be Shawn Michaels. He had the wrestling ability, the performances, the it factor, the, he was the whole package. And I wanted to, at that time, I wanted to become a professional wrestler, and I wanted to be like Shawn Michaels. And like we did with the Road to WrestleMania 11 series, his 95 performance, his ladder match at WrestleMania 10 with with uh, Razor Ramon, those two matches stole my heart on being a Shawn Michaels fan for, <laughs> forever. Uh, that's, that's the greatest way I've ever heard someone say they like someone. Stole my heart. What? What what can I say, Mister Beverly Hills? You're a great man. You're you're the greatest man. And you're I, a wordsmith. I do ha- stole your heart. I love it. I love it. Instead of breaking my heart, you stole my heart. Stole it. Oh man, that's just tremendous. What? Yeah, man. Shawn Michaels was was just God. You know, Shawn Michaels is such a interesting case in my book because, like, I loved him as the Rockers, then disliked him pretty much the rest of his like first part of his career. Yeah. But then, oh my gosh, when he came back, when he came back until the time that he retired, he was probably my favorite wrestler. Yeah. Uh, he, it seemed like every match he had was tremendous. Uh, every, you know, uh, outside of the ring interaction, they were really good. Um, he just kicked, God, he kicked his career into high gear with that, you know, layoff, a couple of year layoff. Uh, when he came back, he was like a different person. Uh, I, and I, I know a lot of people see his first run as like the best, the better one, but I, I really enjoyed those. The yeah, I feel like if he didn't come back in 2002, I don't feel like people would hold up, hold his career up as highly as they do with him coming back in the second run. Right. Oh, yeah, totally, totally. It took it, it took it to the next level. Yeah. I know you you were over to watch WrestleMania 26, at least for part of the card. Were you were you still around when, when the Michaels-Taker match happened? I don't know. I don't know what year that That would have been, been 26. That would be, what, 2011? I'm not sure. Okay. Well, I, do I don't know. know. Well, because like I know I came and watched the one in 2010 uh, at the apartment that we shared that I had moved out of. Well, and that, then be, was that 2010? I thought that was 2011. No, nope, that would have been 2010 because I graduated in fall of 09. Okay. Then, oh, so that, that, then I don't know. Then I came back a couple years later, but I and I don't know. I think it was yeah that Russell in 26 was I think 2010 because I do remember. Us sitting on the love seat together, facing like the TV and facing the apartment window, living room window, and 
I remember when for the Bret Hart Vince McMahon match when Bret Hart came out. I remember us, you know, <laughs> doing Bret Hart's theme song and everybody loving the fact that we were doing Bret Hart's theme song together. And <laughs> I remember our buddy Tom looking at us and saying, "You guys should be like commentators or whatever." And like all these years later, we're you doing a podcast. Yep, you got it. You got it. So yeah, just you know, Shawn Michaels was what was the man that, like I said, yeah. that he. You know, it was Hulk Hogan that brought me into professional wrestling, and it was the uh, ultimate hero. I feel like Shawn Michaels, especially you know from 2002 to 2010, 11, whenever he retired, that I feel like he was the ultimate babyface. That you know, like I was kind of mentioned before, you know, last week with Jim Cornette. You know, Michaels is a Christian. I'm a Christian, so we had I was able you know personally connect. Not with him on that, but I feel like him, you know, granted, minus uh, his one month feud with Hulk Hogan at SummerSlam, that I think 05, Michaels was the babyface the whole time when he was back, and yeah, he just had it. He made Chris Masters and Carlito look awesome. And just, yeah, no, that's certainly true. I don't know anybody else that was a, one, the greatest babyface other than Shawn Michaels. Right on, right on. Okay, well, my number one, I got some advice for you when things get tough, Dirty Dog Darcy. So when it comes crashing down and it hurts inside, uh, I would say that you got to take a stand because there's no help to hide. Uh, And I would say to you that if you hurt my friends and you hurt my pride, I gotta be a man, and I can't let it slide. So. I said, when the going gets rough, the rough get tough. Hey, <laughs> oh, come on, let's go! Oh my god, I love that you're pulling this like random song from Hulk Hogan and the Wrestling Boot Band. Oh, uh, you're the man, dude. We are but, the beach patrol. We like to party, oh. party, party. Is that the side that you're quoting? The no. beach patrols? Oh, no. okay. Oh, talk about the Beach Patrol song from the Hulk Rules album from Hulk Hogan, the Wrestling Boot Band. I was listening to that song within the last few weeks at work after lunch one day, <laughs> and I was thinking, what an awesome song. Mr. Beverly Hills, Mrs. Beverly Hills, and the Dirty Dog Darcy can do a trio duet together. I don't know what a three-person sound is called, but be a awesome trio. I don't know. It'd be awesome if the three of us could ever somehow record that sound together. You can play Hulk Hogan, Mrs. Hills can play Linda Hogan, and I can play Jimmy Hart with my megaphone. Oh God, Linda Hogan's the woman singing in that song. Uh, I assume uh, that's just oh, me God. guessing, but Mrs. Hills can be the woman in the song. The beach patrol. We like the party, party, party. Okay, so. My number one's Hulk Hogan. Uh, I feel like he is, for me, the template that all uh, heroes are are compared to. Um, he was the the hero when I started watching wrestling, um, and he's just a guy who who embodied to me what a hero. In, in professional wrestling was. And now looking back, yeah, it doesn't stand up as much to the test of time. We see that he was maybe not the best friend or or hero, but uh, as a youngster 
that was it. And, and I really feel like he's just a guy who, if I think wrestling hero, I think Hulk Hogan. Uh, you know, just at the end of the day. Yeah, definitely that, you know, like I know I touched on, on him earlier, but I, like you said that, you know, taking out, taking out what he did later on in his career, you know, personal life and yeah, in the heelish antics, yeah, he he was the man that I feel like a lot of kids watching wanted to be grow up and be like. Mm-hmm. He, yeah, he was. You know, if you go face the ultimate bully like Andre the Giant or right. or King Kong Buddy, you're gonna pick him up and squash him and you know drop him on the mat, and you're gonna defeat them. Right. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Or I mean, he's one. You know. To the to the villain managers, you know, line them up. I'll I'll go through who's the next, you know, monster to go through. Whatever, Mister Beverly Hills, I gotta so, ask you a question. Oh, okay. Can you feel it in your feet? <laughs> Are you moving to the beat? When the going gets tough, <laughs> the tough get rough. Hey, hey ho, come on. Let's go. Hey, ho, ho, come on. Let's go. Do, 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 do. Okay. Sorry, I looked up the lyrics for the Hulksters in the house. So. God, you took. So, I think everybody knows Real American. You took it and you went with Hulksters in the house. I think no one knows that song. What can I say, Jack? But I. <laughs> uh, I guess, yeah, Hulk Hogan. I don't know who else can be the. Who else is a top ultimate baby face? I yeah, that's why he's on my list. But yeah, so I do you have any, do you have any closing comments or anything for the baby face cast? I don't, I don't think so, man. That's good. I guess, like I said earlier, when the going gets rough, when the tough gets rough. Hey ho, come on, let's go. <laughs> so, right also, also getting the plugs of the podcast, Mr. Beverly Hills. You guys can listen to us on three different platforms. One, our website, maineventstatus.com. Again, that's maineventstatus.com. You guys can listen to us on SoundCloud, soundcloud.com slash radio. Again, that's soundcloud.com slash radio. Mr. Beverly Hills, how can they listen to us on iTunes? Oh man, you listen to us on iTunes, just go into the podcast store, type it in main main event status radio, uh, and just subscribe. Comes to your uh, podcast feed every week when uh, it gets uploaded. Um, yeah, please, please subscribe, please rate, please comment. Helps us out. So, yeah. And tell your friends to listen to us. We would greatly appreciate right that. Guys can interact with us on social media. We're on Facebook, facebook.com slash main event status radio. Go there, hit hit the like like button, tell your friends to like us there too, interact with us there, and we can also interact with us on Twitter. Beverly, how can they interact with you there? Uh, at Beverly Hills MS. And that and for me it's at Dirty Dog M E S. That's dog as in D A W G at Dirty Dog M E S. And Mr. Beverly Hills, do you have any closing comments on the on Face the Music Extra? Arnold, be a good guy. For Mr. Beverly Hills, I am the Dirty Dog Darcy. 
Adios, main eventers. Fans, I couldn't do it without everybody. When that big, stinky, giant, dirty dog Darcy had me down, I thought I was out. But you helped me get through. It's because of you that I'm here and I'm the champion. Yeah. Well, Tony, Mike, Larry, I'm sure you're going to agree it has been a long time since this man has set foot on Canadian soil, but he is back, and a lot of memories take you back to this great city of Toronto, Hollywood. Well, you know something mean, Gene? I guess you can say Hollywood and Wolfpack is definitely in the house, brother. you come back to this great city this great country with some objectives in mind the way things are rolling right now hollywood well you know before i get down to the brass tacks brother the last time i was in canada they were screaming they were yelling and they were shaking the rafters just as loud as they are tonight brother because when the man When the man is in the house, when the man with the largest arms in the world hit Canadian soil, they knew there was going to be a riot going on, brother. But I didn't come here to throw out no stinking trash, brah. I came here to talk straight talk. I'm the man because I beat the man. And I want to know, where's my stinking bell at? Thank you, offensive force. The belt that is currently held by Ric Flair. Like I said, brother, I'm here for a reason. And when I went through Canadian customs and the brothers at the border taped my arms today and they were 24 and one quarter inches, they said, they said, Hollywood, who in the hell are you going to beat up tonight? And me, Gene. I took four fingers, brother. A pinky, a ring finger, a middle finger, and my trigger finger. And I said, I'm going to beat up the main man that runs the four horsemen, the president of our company. I want Ric Flair to come out here tonight, put the belt on the line, and I'm going to beat him right in the center of the ring. And as I was looking at the mountains around Canada, this would be a real nice place to deposit Ric Flair. Oh, what a match that would be a main event tonight here on Nitro. Hollywood, Hogan, and Ric Flair, do you think it's going to happen? Well, the way it goes, I got Big Kev, the rest of the Wolfpack, and the black and white NWO covering the whole building looking for Ric Flair. And if I got to drag him out here by that peroxided bleach blonde hair of his, I'm going to bring him out here and I'm going to put myself right in the middle of the ring and I'm going to embarrass him out of the country. I want my belt back tonight because I'm going to beat him up real bad. And the reason... Listen to the reaction of this crowd here tonight. The reason everybody loves Hollywood so much is because... When you follow the largest arms in the world, you follow them for life. 
Because when you run with a wolf pack, you know that we're just too sweet. How about that? I think a clarified vision right now from Hollywood Hulk Hogan demanding Ric Flair here tonight in the ring. And Tony, I'd love to see it happen. Back to you. Thanks a lot, Gene. They are standing and screaming. Uh, Bill to the Raptors here at the Air Canada Center in Toronto. Time when I said goodbye And now I'm back And not ashamed to cry Ooh, baby Here I am Signed to deliver I'm yours Ooh, yeah When I said goodbye And now I'm back And not ashamed to cry Ooh, baby Here I am Signed to deliver I'm yours Amazing. But you get, you get much more time than anyone else. That is our show. Good night, everybody.